Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of Leadership Intentions, supporting our leadership cohort. And I thank you so much for coming with us on along the journey so far, and I hope that we have a good wrap-up uh, episode podcast today, our final uh, lesson in the end of this um, journey we've had to explore leadership intentions, um, as I have put forth, as I have learned over time. And so I want to start with um, sort of that the final principle is what this entire endeavor has been, which is to never give up on teaching. And I believe that one of the key ingredients to collective learning, to us learning as a species, as an organization, as a group, as a family, um, as friends, is definitely to continue to teach each other our experiences, to continue to feel willing to share what we've learned through this course of life. And I think that when we begin to feel that we're not worthy of teaching our perspective, when we're not worthy of, when we feel like what our perspective is, what we have learned is not wise enough to share with others, that's where we also get insecure. Um, that ends up leading to passive aggressivity. That ends up leading to all the different types of behaviors that stem from an ego that is um, very sensitive and, and doesn't want to be harmed. And so we hide information from each other. We're not patient with each other. We don't actually give each other the generosity of sharing the knowledge that we've gained over time. A particular quote um, from a investor by the name of Naval Ravikant, I believe, and um, I won't say a quote, but a paraphrase from a discussion he gave is, you know, basically there's lots of money to be made from advice from this guy now. And he talks about that so many of the things that he gets paid for now to say and that um, people really want him to share, he was willing and did share before. But he said no one listened until he made millions of dollars. So he was always willing to share and he was always sharing. But in terms of people willing to listen or hear what he had to say, they weren't really interested until he had made millions, until there was external success out there. And I think that that is really a sad indication also of our unwillingness to learn from each other because so many of us are not really looking and actually wouldn't be any more happy with some of the ways in which we think of external success in terms of why well, I'm a leader of a Fortune 500 company, or um, I'm all over the internet, I'm making millions, billions of dollars, these types of things. So much of the knowledge we need to be leaders in our own lives, to be leaders within our, you know, within our friendships and the organizations we lead, where we go, um, that information is out there already and has been there for a long time. And many times it's just free to us if we're willing to listen and to apply. And so one of the quotes that was really, really um, influential to me very early on was a quote from Epictetus, of course. And I read it, wow, I think I was probably 19, maybe when, when I first came upon this quote. But he simply says, imagine for yourself a character, a model personality, whose example you determine to follow in private as well as in public. And I think that was the first attempt for me to begin saying, if I set my intentions, I can become what I want to be, 
or I can be more like the person um, I respect and people who I admire. And so setting that out, and so much of that has to do with coming to the determination of what is it you intend? What are your intentions? So many of times we have not actually decided upon that. We may have a religion, we may have um, a particular philosophy that we say we profess, and we, you know, those things should just be, we, we think that just is, it goes for granted. But rarely do we spend enough time deciding who is it we actually intend to be today, not just at work, but in our personal lives and in every indication, because we are a human wherever we go. And we try as much as we do to say, hey, well, there's a difference between personal life, professional life, these types of things. Indeed, there is. There's a difference in settings. But our brains don't actually work that way. It tends to be that our brains have trouble doing that whole thing of, well, this is not personal, it's professional. We have, it's very difficult for us to do that. We're just a human living uh, with other humans and engaging in human relationships wherever we are. So it does and is important to set for ourselves who is it that we aspire to be in public and in private. And the more that we can whittle down, my belief is, the more that we whittle down the discrepancy and differences between who we are in different settings, the happier, the more tranquil, and the more influential we can be. Because it doesn't open the door for hypocrisy and it allows us to say, this is actually a consistency of character that I can live with and be with, with lots of different people. And that I feel comfortable with, that I actually can sleep well because I know my intentions, I know who I intend to be, and that person who I intend to be can be effective in many different places. And I think it's really important, as we've seen with the leader intentions, the leadership intentions that I put out, not too many, right? Don't have too many rules, don't have too many principles, don't have any. Try to see um, uh, uh, an organization I greatly respect called Admired Leadership. They have, you can study, and there's over a hundred different effective leadership practices from admired leaders. Um, while I respect and I think some of their material is great, I think to myself, a hundred? A hundred activities and tactics. How can anyone ever keep those in their mind? How can that actually be usable, right? So many of us, we need some just guiding principles that help us out. I'll give you an example. For the children, uh, the kids, both of my children, as they came up in school, we used to say this over and over again at the beginning of school each day. So what are you going to do today? And they would repeat back, listen to your teacher, do what you're supposed to do, have fun with your friends, and try your best. Those four things. That was all we expected from the kids when they went into school. Listen to your teacher, do what you're supposed to do, have fun with your friends, try your best. And when it came to at the house and everything connected to at the house was basically kind of three big biggies, the Caldwell home rules, treat others as you would like to be treated, or at least don't do anything to someone else that you wouldn't like done to you. Focus on what you can control and try not to lie, especially to yourself. So those things came up over and over and over again, and they connected to so many different situations. But the consistency of those things, those were things they could remember. They could repeat to themselves. Just as within this leadership intentions cohort, um, we're always moving towards relationships. We take ownership of our role 
I ask questions and listen to learn, and I never give up on teaching. I can remember those things. Those things can come back to me. I can see, hey, am I following that structure? You don't have to follow the same intentions from leadership intentions. This is just a teaching. This is just a sharing of perspective, a sharing of what has worked for me. But I think the first indication is, and the first and most important thing that I hope all of you have started to build or grasp from this experience is what are your intentions? What are those principles that are so important to you? What are those things that you're going to come back to and set for yourself each and every day? What are those intentions when you do your intention setting that you can follow in your personal life, in your professional life, wherever it is that you end up going? It's so important because we need to give ourselves the guidance. And there is a matter of faith in this. We set our intentions. We remind ourselves over and over again each day, each particular day, and sometimes in momentary situations, they come back to us. But we remind ourselves almost with a mantra, what are these intentions? What have I set out to do? And who is the person I want to be? Much as Epictetus put out there, imagine for yourself a character, a character that you want to follow and that you want to exemplify in your personal and professional life anywhere you go. So that's the first thing, is we don't give up on teaching. We begin to teach our perspective. But before we do that, we need to get clear on what our intentions are. So I would like you to stop the podcast right here and now and see and write down, take a little time. What are the intentions you set for yourself? Are there four to six principles, maybe five, but a handful of intentions that are most important to you? What are these? What are your values each and every day? What are you going to intend to do? Take a pause and we'll come right back. Okay, well, I hope you guys had some time to think and you put together some possible intentions or maybe you have those already solidified, you know them very well. So, good. I like to ask people the question, what do they believe with irrational passion? Meaning, what are some things that they believe that, you know, someone would have to do a lot of work to convince them otherwise? that what this belief is is untrue or convince them to, they'd have to see a lot. They know maybe um, much more than normal for other beliefs, but these particular beliefs are central to who they are, what they do and how they go about in the world. And we all have them, whether we know it or not. Um, And if you don't think you have any irrational passions, self-awareness is key. And so it's it's time to really dig in there and see about that. But, Nevertheless, irrational passions are there. And what is it that we believe wholeheartedly? And I would say that for me, the leadership intentions are part of those irrational passions. And how I set those intentions and why are they so important to me is because throughout, I apply them to all kinds of areas of my life, much beyond leadership and and much beyond just the organization. And I think that why maybe some of the stuff that I talk about can be difficult for a lot of people is oftentimes when people come in and they want leadership stuff, they want tactics that they believe are, you know, this particular tactic, if I do this, would solve everything at my office. 
And central to my belief is that actually they don't work because of human beings, of simply the fact that there is always going to be a little bit of crisis. There's always going to be some inherent dysfunction inside of an organization because there are always inherent dysfunctions within human relationships. Because we are messy, our organizations are going to messy, are going to be messy. Our relationships are going to be messy. Really, at the end of the day, everything succeeds or breaks down at the level of our relationship and our ability to get on and connect and motivate and learn from the people around us. And that has been through the entirety of human existence. We're never going to get away from that. Someone who you don't like can come with every single little tactic and strategy that they learned, the latest professional development, and just the mere fact that you don't like them, don't trust them, it doesn't matter what tactic they bring. It doesn't matter what new circle up um, or, you know, sort of you know procedure that they want to use in discussions or anything like that, or any little rules they put up on the board. If you haven't been able to connect via relationship, if there's no trust in that relationship, if you don't believe what they say and they don't believe what you say, none of the other stuff matters. Not at all. So my irrational passions, they have to be with first and foremost, we're always cultivating relationships. Whether we know it or not, we're either, culti- we're either moving towards relationship or moving further away. And that's that question that I'm constantly asking myself. And I think that we all should within our endeavors is that, is this next action I'm going to take? Are these next words that I might speak moving me towards a relationship or further away? Am I avoiding this conversation? Am I beginning to avoid this person in a way that basically will make it very hard for us ever to have trust in a real relationship and work forward? then, man, I need to reassess what I'm doing. And what I found throughout my life is the more relationships that I move toward, the larger my world becomes, the more open my mind becomes, the greater the generosity, the greater the energy, and the more that I actually get back. And in the times in my life where I moved away from relationship, tried to avoid relationship, given up very quickly on relationship, I've actually gotten smaller as a person. My perspective has gotten smaller, all those things. So many of the times when we relate to the world with a sense of fear and we don't want to overcome that, that fear makes us smaller and smaller. And actually we don't gain from it. We don't actually get the wealth of information, the wealth of energy, uh, the wealth of generosity and the realism of perspective that will make us more effective in the world, um, not just as leaders, not just in our organization, but also within our personal lives and with those we love. Taking ownership, we take ownership of our role. It's this irrational passion in which I believe that so many things are going to be unjust. So many things are going to happen, not because you're a bad person or you've done anything particularly wrong, but because life happens. There are many things that will be outside of our control that we won't be able to do anything about and that will be what we consider unfair um, if we want to personalize events. But there's no other choice than to take ownership of your role in a relationship. 
there's no other choice but to take ownership of how you are going to respond to your life. There is no other choice but to decide that you personally are going to take actions to correct an unjust situation. So taking ownership of our own role, so many people feel like, no, 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 I am going to change this particular person. And I counter that with none of us have ever changed anyone. None of us have ever changed anyone. That person has only decided to change on their own. We may have been a factor. We may have been an influence, but no one who's listening right now and no one who I have ever met has ever successfully changed someone. The person who changed decided for themselves. They took ownership of their particular lives and decided that's enough, I'm going to change. And so we, by the same token, if we want to do better at influencing change in the world, we have to take more ownership of how we relate and how we exist in the world. We have to take more ownership of how we behave, how we speak. And the funny thing is, is that by doing that, we give ourselves a better chance of actually influencing those around us. They take a look at our lives. They take a look at our behavior. They take a look at the consistency between our words and our actions. And they decide, hey, that person might actually be worth listening to. Hmm, let me keep what they said in the back of my mind. And when I'm ready for it, maybe I'll use that as an influence when I decide to change. But we have to take ownership of our role. There's no other way. And we have to ask questions and listen to learn. In every relationship, we probably don't ask enough questions. We probably don't listen enough to learn from others. And it's once again, this idea that what we should be doing is influencing others and changing them and trying to get them to see things in a different way. And what I would say is the only way to do that is actually very counterintuitive. The only way to do that is to show the person that we actually want to hear from them, that we are actually interested in what they actually need. We want to learn what they are telling us. We want to see what it is they want to get from life. Because by asking those questions and understanding that, one, we show the person the utmost respect. We give them a form of kindness that so many people are looking for. And on the other side of it, we also get to better understand and learn what our beliefs are, where the gaps in our knowledge are, how we can, if it's possible, maybe help someone get to a different place in their lives. But we can't do that and people won't allow us to really influence them and we won't be able to gain what we need to gain from the relationships we engage in if we don't ask questions and listen to learn. That's with our children, with our spouses, significant others, friends, um, colleagues, bosses, or the people who we lead, either way. And of course, teaching, never giving up on teaching, never giving up on remembering that we're going to have to teach our perspective over and over again. We're going to have to say things over and over again. We're going to have to apply our teachings and um, to different situations over and over again. 
And we're going to have to give people the benefit of the doubt and remember that they cannot read our minds. And that if we want to engage in real relationship, if we want to learn from others, we ask questions, we listen to learn, and then we also give our perspective. We also have to feel the confidence. And that confidence will come from the fact that we're all bumbling. We're all making it up as we go. We're all trying the best we can. The biggest cure to imposter syndrome is not building up your ego to think that, yeah, yeah, I'm really the best. The cure to imposter syndrome is being okay with our own fallibility and the mistakes that we will inevitably make. So we definitely need to teach our perspective and don't give up on it. Those are my irrational passions and they fit into so many different categories. They actually apply in so many different areas and so many different little tactics and techniques come from over and over and over again, practicing these principles and they allow me to respond to the moment because they're large, because they apply to a lot of different scenarios. When I keep doing these things, I find that I'm able to actually hone in and take the specific actions that different situations call for because I'm trying to build a relationship because I'm focusing in on what I need to do, not on, hey, making other people do what I think they should. I'm focusing in on learning from the situation, from asking questions, making people feel heard, building trust. And then, only then, I'll teach, this is what I think I know. This is the conclusions that I'm coming to. And putting that out there and making that transparent to allow for that dialogue to continue making both of us grow. That's parent to child, teacher to student, spouse to spouse, friend to friend, leader to follower, follower to leader, applies all the way around in an endless cycle of learning, progress, and relationship. Take a little time, give you little thoughts, have a little bit to reflect on these things. What are some of your irrational passions? And then we're going to end with a short huh, conclusion about evergreen rules and leadership being influence. So at the end of it all, I see leadership as influence. The ability to lead others and to practice leadership is really the ability to influence others in a way that benefits them individually or benefits the group as a whole. And funnily enough, the only way to actually influence others effectively in a positive way is also to allow them to influence you. So it comes back to that solution focused, but with great humility. And so I think that if we look at the overall bent of my leadership intentions, they are about an interchange of being influenced and influencing towards progressively better outcomes. And what we hope is that we can improve our little space of the world that way 
that we can be a benefit to others that way. And so much of this is what I believe we feel innately should be the core of leadership, that the leader should first and foremost be looking to benefit those they lead. Um, and of course, receive the benefits of that noble endeavor. And so much of, of this is more simple than we oftentimes think it is, but of course, not easy. And what I've tried to do throughout this, and what I'm always trying to do whenever I'm coming up with particular principles, um, whenever I'm coming up with different ways of trying to codify knowledge and giving myself guidance is to try to make the material that I'm putting together or some of the rules that I'm putting together as evergreen as possible. And what I mean by evergreen and what people, when they say this is evergreen material, it means that regardless of what time period you're in, regardless of where you are, um, they can apply. So that the idea being that someone could come back to this leadership intention material and look back at it five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and the lessons themselves, the practices themselves, the material itself could still be applied, that you could still get something out of it and it could still be a necessary component to dealing with others. And I believe I've always thought this was so important because um, being born as a very mixed person, <laughs> and when I say this is that my father being half black, half German, my mother being um, French Creole, a mix of French, Native American, uh, African American, and all those influences, I never met another person who had the exact same racial ma makeup as me who was, I couldn't, I identified as black growing up, but um, I never really had anyone who was the exact same racial makeup. So many of the ways, and then I, you know, Catholic, um, I went to school, I mean, you know, in different environments with different races, because um, we moved around quite a bit. Um, and so I had a very particular background. And then of course, my kids have another particular background because my wife is, is Filipino American, right? So the idea, being that um, my identity over time, my interest over time became what actually applies to humans. What are things that we have these different contexts, we have these different things that we've, we've made up through time, um, uh, particular identities, and, and, the, and we keep deciding, depending on where we are, what those identities are, and we, we establish them for ourselves. But at our core, what are the things that human beings do? And what I find is that throughout different, what are those rules? What are these things that come up at different societies, different time periods? What are these ideas that tend to be pressure tested throughout history, throughout um, our human experience that apply that, wow, these people separated by thousands of years, completely and vastly different cultures from different sides of the earth still came to some of the same conclusions. And what are those? And those have always been my, my utmost interest finding those things, those evergreen things that apply to us as human beings. And perhaps my rational passions tend to be around that all human beings are looking towards a relationship. That all human beings, no matter what, know ourselves 
our own thoughts and have the most control over our own thoughts and actions than anyone else. I think that applies to every single human being. That every human being learns more by listening and asking questions and being curious about the perspective of their fellow human beings, that we are made to learn from each other. And all that being said, that sense, every human being is looking for a relationship and needs relationship, and that we can only control ourselves, and that we need to learn from others, and we have to listen to learn. We have to ask questions and hear from them so that we can know what they mean, so that we know we're safe, so that we can learn the most from them. Then, of course, we have to also teach our perspective because others can't read our minds. Because just as we know only the most about our own thoughts and we have to struggle to get others' thoughts out of them, then we ought to, might as well give that same sort of courtesy by being able, willing, and more clear about teaching our perspective where we're coming from and building understanding. I hope that the Leadership Intentions cohort and lessons are evergreen. I hope that they are material that people can come back to. I hope that people value it um, and it's free <laughs> and you don't have to pay anything for it. And I hope that it has benefit. Um, maybe it won't make you rich, but I hope that it can make someone's life just a bit better in the way that it's had an extraordinary effect on my own. Thank you for coming along for this journey. Thank you for listening. Take care and be good.